One December afternoon when I was serving a church in Michigan a long time ago, I was sitting in my office reading the, Christi the Christian Century and read a nice review of the latest uh, prominent popular Jesus book by a prominent New Testament scholar. I forget who it was, N.T. Wright or Marcus Borg or J.D. Crossan maybe, but whoever it was, I had to have this volume right now. So I got in the car and drove over to my favorite Grand Rapids bookstore, which had a killer religion section for a mainstream bookstore. You can tell this is an old, old story. For those of you who are under 20, a bookstore is a building <laughs> usually made of bricks and mortar or perhaps wood and nails. And if you were to go inside of this building in the prior century, you would find a lot of horizontal pieces of wood stacked vertically about 18 inches, inches apart above each other. And they would have books on these pieces of wood called shelves. They don't exist anymore. There are only Amazon warehouses, but I assure you that there was a time when they actually existed. So I go into my favorite bookstore one December afternoon, the bookstore with this killer religion section, and I go straight to where I know the Jesus books will be. But when I get there, I don't see a book of any kind. There are only Christmas ornaments and toys and Christmas cards, not a book in sight. And so I hunt down a clerk and ask her, where are the Jesus books? And she says, they are in the back of the store in the corner on the bottom shelf. And I say, why did you hide the Jesus books? And she says to me, very reasonably, with infinite patience and not a trace of irony, because it's Christmas. I was going to ask her why you can't find the Jesus book at this holiday where we celebrate his birth, but I think I know the answer. Actually, however, the connection between Jesus of Nazareth and the celebration of Christmas has always been tenuous and fragile. For a long time, the Christian church refused to celebrate the birth of our Lord. There's no record of any nativity celebration before the middle of the fourth century. And perhaps that's partly because the Gospels are rather indifferent to the story of Jesus' birth. Two of them don't tell us about that story at all, and the two that do tell us the story don't bother to mention when he was born, either the day of the calendar or the year in history. As to the day in, in the calendar, scholars are reasonably certain that Jesus was not born on December 25 because Luke tells us that there were shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night, and in December in Palestine, it's too cold to pasture the sheep at night. So Jesus was probably born when the weather was warmer, late spring or early fall. And as to the year, guesses range from 6 B.C. to 6 A.D. Luke tells us that Jesus was born when Herod was king in Judea and Quirinius was governor in Syria. But the problem is that Herod died 10 years before Quirinius became governor in Syria, which tells us that Luke was indifferent to historical detail. And so we have this 10-year window of possibility in which Jesus was born. And it's hard to have a holiday when you don't know when somebody was born, right? In the 4th century, however, the church decided that it ought to celebrate our Lord's birth as it celebrated our Lord's death and resurrection when to mark this celebration. So this is what they decided. Most citizens of the Roman Empire in the 4th century were pagans, of course, worshipping all these Greek and Roman gods from the Pantheon, and conveniently, there were two huge holidays on or near December 25. 
One was called Saturnalia in honor of the Roman god Saturn, the god of harvest and plenty and flourishing. And then a little later in Roman history, after the cult of Saturn had faded a little bit, another killer holiday started. It was called Natalis Soli Invicti, the birth of the invincible sun in honor of the god Mithras, the birth of the invincible sun. Human life 1,600 years ago, after all, was far more vulnerable than it is today. Even in a sophisticated city like Rome, it was possible to starve during the long winter months when the soil was dormant. And so it seemed like a good idea, four days after the winter solstice, the longest night of the year, to encourage the return of the invincible sun god with excessive revelries. It was a seven-day bacchanal with all the attendant indulgences. In the first century, Saturnalia celebrations under the emperor Domitian included reigning the crowds with nuts and fruits and candies and dwarf gladiator contest in the Colosseum and flocks of flamingos flying over the stadia. I guess the ancient inspiration for those F-18 flyovers you see at Lambeau Field before a Packers game. In other words, Saturnalia isn't so different from a contemporary American Christmas. And as you can guess, it was a popular holiday among the ancient Romans. If you can't beat them, join them, the church said to itself. Let's Christianize this pagan holiday by celebrating Jesus, whom, after all, the Old Testament calls the Son of Righteousness, Son, S-U-N, the Son of Righteousness. And so, this decision to celebrate the birth of our Lord in conjunction with Sol Invictus, the Invincible Son, was the most spectacularly successful public relations campaign in the history of marketing. I know that a lot of you work in the advertising industry. This was more popular than You Deserve a Break Today, or MasterCard's Priceless Campaign, or the Energizer Bunny, or Have It Your Way, or Where's the Beef, or Only You Can Prevent Forest Fires, or Diamonds Are Forever. Today, Christmas is a $600 billion industry, which is bigger than the gross domestic product of Sweden. This is the only day of the year when we can fill this building five times. <laughs> Opportunistic? Maybe. But also theologically astute, don't you think? There's a certain sweet poetry to celebrating Advent and Christmas during the darkest, shortest days of the year. The sun rose this morning at 717, and it set while you were coming here to church at 423 which means that today we had nine hours of daylight and 15 of darkness. And so maybe the Christian church got it mostly right when it decided to celebrate Christmas during the season of the longest nights and shortest days of the year when Palestine had its back turned towards the sun at night and in winter when the curve of the north was turned away from the heat of the sun. So maybe it's been a dark year for you. Maybe you've lost your health or your way or your joy or your life's love. The pink slip 
the divorce decree, the phone call from the emergency room, a deep, dark cave of depression. In a prayer for Owen Meany, John Irving writes, Christmas is that time to be aware of what we lack, of who's not home, right? But Jesus is the light of the world. He's a reminder that the darkness is not empty and that at any moment the dawn from on high might break upon you. William Barclay tells the story of a little boy whose parents were going out of town for a couple of days and so he had to spend the night at a friend's house and this was the first time he'd spent the night away from home and when his hostess tucked him into bed she volunteered to leave the light on for him and he said politely, no thank you and she said, okay, I just wondered if maybe you would be afraid of the dark and the little boy says, no ma'am because you see, it's God's dark. While I was working and serving in Greenwich, Connecticut, the local hospice agency sponsored a tree lighting ceremony every December the first week. And they used this giant 20-foot spruce out in front of town hall and hung lights representing all the people who died in the previous year under hospice care. And the families would come to honor their loved ones. We'd sing carols and pray prayers and we'd light this tree with hundreds of white lights on it. And then one year, one of, when those little points of white light lit up the night, it was as if the Christmas tree was a miniature of the night sky. It was one of those perfect early December nights, almost moonless, cold and lucid, when the air was more glass than screen. And you could see a thousand stars as if someone had strewn the sky with Christmas bulbs. And there was a little girl standing there, maybe she was four years old, and she looked at the Christmas tree, and then she looked at the night sky, and then she looked at the Christmas tree, and then she turned to her mother and she said, Look, Mommy, the stars have come down to us. And she was right. They have indeed. We don't know exactly when Jesus was born, but we know he came in darkness, when Palestine had its back to the sun, and maybe, maybe it was in winter too, when the days were short and the nights were long. We don't know exactly when Jesus was born, but the third century Roman theologian Hippolytus insisted, he insisted that it must have been on a Wednesday, the fourth day of the week, the day God created the sun. And I like to think of it like that. There is heard a hymn when the pains grow dim and never before or again, when the nights are strong with the darkness long and the night is alive with rain. Never we know but in sleet and in snow the place where the great fires are, in the midst of the earth a raging mirth at the heart of the earth, a star. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.